Scott Fickner, injury attorneys, we fight for the win. Hey, welcome everybody to the Overrule Podcast, brought to you by the Scott Vicknair Law Firm. We are in colder weather, not a song sung by the Zach Brown Band, cheesy pun number one, um, but actual colder weather in New Orleans, we are not sweating anymore, and Brad and I are here to bring you an exciting show of two topics today. Mine, Brad, I'm going to well, jump... I even broke out the uh, the sweater. The you sweater. Notice. You do have I mean, a sweater. You, you're muscling it out with the, the, the polo, it's not too cold for <laughs> well, you. Well, I do, I do have my jacket in the... In the um, in my office, but these lights, they're like shining, uh, it makes it hotter, and then they hit your bald head and ricochet towards me, and so I'm getting like double, double... I get that a lot from people. <laughs> I'm just so bright. Well, the, I'm getting double heat from the lights because I'm getting it, one from all these lights in the podcast studio, and then also from your head, it's like on just, the side. Just, just look away. Look, look away. <laughs> look away, Jerry. Look away. <laughs> all right, my topic is going to be a new topic that I'm going to start on our topic episodes, and mine is like a weird... Weird circle. I'm gonna call it the weird circle news, where I'm just gonna like go around in a circle of some weird news from around the world. This I've got be three or four or five quick topics of weird news, so let's just jump right into it. I'm ready to go. Okay, number one. Recently, a 75-year-old woman in Pavia, Italy, had to get the courts involved to get her two sons, ages 42 and 40, out of her house. CNN reported a week ago she describes her sons as parasites who had been living in her <laughs> with her without contributing financially even though both had jobs judge simona katorbi katorbi a judge in pavia italy called the brothers bambacchioni bambacchioni there's gonna be an italian listen to this show oh they're gonna they're gonna many, murder you or big babies and declared that they have until december 18th of this year to vacate the mother's home Quote, once a certain age has been exceeded, the child can no longer expect the parents to continue the maintenance obligation within limits that are no longer reasonable, Katerby said. The brothers hadn't, this is my favorite part of the whole news article, the brothers had not decided yet whether they would appeal the decision. Mom's Thoughts, like, Brad? Mom's like, get the hell out. They just won't leave. Maybe it's the Italian cooking. They're used to that. Mom's been taking care of them all their lives. Would you want to leave? If I could move back here with my mom, I sure would. I'm just was impressed that there was an Italian law that said there was an age that had been exceeded that a court could force you oh, out of your parents' house. Oh, it was statutory. Statutory. But I, I'm just I'm scintillated by the end of it. They hadn't decided whether they're going to appeal the decision. They're weighing their options. Maybe they wanted to stay and have some of that Italian cooking. Okay. I wonder if the attorney was a representative. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they didn't take it on a contingency. <laughs> All right. News item number two, questionable judgment. As college antics go, this one is, stands out. On At the end of October this year, someone wearing a giant, giant penis costume was escorted out of the stands at a football game between Sam Houston State University, who is actually an old foe of Nichols State University, yes, of Mata, um, and the University of Texas at El Paso. The Huffington Post reported a school spokesperson said that the prankster was given the option to take off the costume or leave the stadium. Sam Houston was winning the game until the phallic fan was removed. They lost 37 to 34. Thoughts? So is this maybe going to be their good luck charm going forward or something? I don't know. Maybe they have to let the fan with the penis costume back on because after he left, they lost the game. Sounds like a hard decision. Let's <laughs> just going to move on from this one. All right, next. Bet you didn't know. Here's one. Bet you didn't know fact. Every year, the U.S. Department of Agriculture distributes oral rabies vaccines to raccoon populations in 14 states, driving around and targeting areas where the critters will find and eat the bait. But NPR has reported that in rural communities, it's more, efficient. <laughs> it's more efficient to drop the little packets from low-flying planes. 
the planes have a tube and a conveyor belt that just drops these vaccines to make sure they're sort of evenly dispersed. And apparently, they put the vaccines in a flavor which is palatable to the raccoon, so they come in a fish flavor and a sweet flavor. If other animals find and eat the packets, which you may be wondering about, it won't hurt them. What do you think about that? Paying for these vaccine, paying for these well, fish flavored and sweet flavored um, vaccines for the raccoon populations go. My concern is how are we going to stop idiot people from eating these things, and is there any side effects? I wonder if the guy who wore the penis costume to the Sam Houston state would maybe have eaten ate a little bit. Of that? Maybe he ate a little bit of the vaccine. That's, that's very interesting. Very interesting, right? Would have never known that the USDA was doing that. I didn't realize we had that as a problem. Louisiana has to be one. I mean, we have more raccoons than... That explains those low-flying planes around my house these days, I guess. They're dropping raccoon rabies <laughs> vaccines. <laughs> what if Avery ate one of those? I guess i got to watch my four-year-old go in the backyard from now on. What's, what's out there now? All right, here we go. Oh, this is one of my favorites. This, was, this is a good one. All right. Joshua Dillon, 37, went on a drug-fueled rampage early on October 29th of this year. He forced his way into two homes in Rush Township, Pennsylvania. Dillon told homeowners he had been shot and was in danger. After barging in at least the, in at least the last house, he threw a television to the ground, dumped a CD rack, threw a lamp, broke the handle off a cast iron skillet we'll get back to that in a second and rubbed frozen meat on his chest (laughs) dylan had allegedly frozen meat all over his chest rubbed it all over him he had allegedly consumed a quarter next page ounce uh, i didn't want to get the wrong measurement of hallucinogenic mushrooms and now faces felony charges of burglary and criminal trespassing so let's get back to the biggest item in this lead the skillet handle Wow. <laughs> How did he break the handle off the skillet? I Those are some magic mushrooms. Like, right? It may have been like those Mario mushrooms. You take them and you grow bigger. And then he had the strength to okay, do it. Okay, let's really map this out. How, If you had a cast iron skillet, how would you get the handle off the skillet? I, uh, I would have to cut it off with something. You, you, you just don't do that. It'd have to be like, a, I mean, you're a woods, woods, you're a well, woods worker. Maybe like, it's that Italian mother that we talked about earlier. Maybe she was beating her head, her kid's head with that skillet, and it's just worn out the handle over time. I just I can't get past this one. Like, how did the handle get off the skillet? It had to be. Could a saw cut through cast iron? Uh, yeah. That's impressive. Would you have to like heat it up? But there's no way that this dude on hallucinogenic have we mushrooms seen evidence could have figured this? that out. I mean, this might be fake news. I'm telling you, that skillet handle, uh, that was I couldn't feed it. Okay, I got one last one for you. All right, and then when now we're going all the way to Australia. Hello, mate. Uh, we're going to Melbourne, Australia, where officials raided a home on October 31st of this year. They found a meth lab, boxes of gemstones, and so many Legos, <laughs> they'll need a truck to haul them away. Okay. The Guardian reported that they found 1,130 boxes of plastic blocks of Legos. Get ready for this. Valued at more than $200,000 and arrested a 36-year-old man and a 32-year-old woman. And there's a quote from the inspector. It says, this is the first time our detectives have seized a Lego collection. I would not be focused on the first time they seized a Lego collection, but me for fo- focused on 
Who in their right mind has 1,130 boxes of Legos which have to be put into a truck and have almost worth $200,000? What do you do with them once you seize them? Is there an auction for these things? I don't know. It kind of sounds like my house on Christmas morning with the damn Legos, though, to be honest with you. I'm just wondering, I mean, the guy, what would happen if we took the guy who was on the hallucinogenic mushrooms and broke the skillet handle off and put them together with the people on meth and had the $200,000 worth of Legos? Well, you don't have children yet, but I will tell you that $200,000 does not buy a whole lot of Legos these days. Interesting. That expensive? Go to those stores. They're they're branded products now. They get you. That is a um, that's a lot of Legos. Um, last one before we finish my weird roundup of weird news that I was able to pull together. It's about what's in a name. Too many words, according to officials in Spain. Fernando Fitz James Stewart, the 17th Duke of Huscar, was recently baptized who recently baptized his second child with a name. Are you ready for this? His second child has a name 25 words long, Sky News reported. The name pays tribute to the baby's mother and father, other members of the family, and religious devotions. But apparently register rules limit a child's name to one compound name and two simple ones, and the Duke and his wife will need to shorten the name for legal purposes. Hopefully they give him a nickname. It's a lot of words. Get that on a... That has been your weird weird news roundup of the day for me. Um, I hope that um, some of that has blown your mind because when I pulled t- together some of this information, my mind was blown. And now, Brad, I'm going to kick it to you. What do you have for well, us Well, let's keep with the news theme here. Um, so, David, we talk about this all the time, but do you trust the government? Okay. No, of course I don't. Move on. All right. So there's a stat from the Pew Research They Center. probably don't. The government probably does not put their potato salad in their gumbo, which would be another reason I wouldn't trust yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, going back to that. Anyway, the Pew Research Center in September, they published a, a poll, a recent poll. They found that two in ten Americans say they don't trust the government in Washington to do the right thing. It's, that's 20 percent, people. This is an all-time low. We are sliding down the scale with this. This is one of the lowest measures in the last 70 years that they've been doing the polling. This compares to like in the 1960s when the number was about 80 percent of people who say they trusted the government. So we don't trust the government, obviously. Now, do you trust the news media to tell you the truth? I think I trust the government more than I trust the news media. You're to not alone. <laughs> a Gallup poll that I found, they say one, only one in three people, about 34%, uh, they trust the mass media to report the news fully, accurately, and fairly. So there is absolutely no trust anymore for our institutions. We're seeing a record decline in these numbers. Now, at the same time that we're not trusting the government, we're seeing a um, we're seeing a uptick in the acceptance of people's acceptance of conspiracy theories. Uh, there was a, a study done in Germany. They polled U.S., Great Britain, France, and Germany. One in four people, 25%, believe that when it comes to so-called conspiracy theories, there's more to them than the official accounts of the events. One in four also believe that the mainstream media are not telling us the truth, and therefore, they prefer to obtain information from independent sources. So I ask you, what are these independent sources they're citing now? Social media. Oh, great. So we're at a state now where these independent sources, social media is becoming our news media that's is trusted. This topic, is this topic like designed to make me depressed? Because this is what it's this doing. This is my topic so, here. You know that. Thank you so much for the depression on but, uh, the Tuesday. Social media as a trusted news source is gaining popularity. Um, and, you know, I, I was kind of thinking of this. We had that recent fire in Maui. Um, and if you remember, there was this conspiracy theory kind of running around that there was this direct energy weapon that sparked flames in Maui. And yeah, I bet that's what there it was. There was some kind of thing. A lot of people grabbed onto this. I know a lot of people that I 
have a lot of respect for, very educated people. That's what people were talking about. This new story out of Maui, this direct energy weapon causing these fires, and apparently the the blue cars didn't burn or something like that. But the problem is that that took a lot of the energy and focus away from the real story and the tragedy that was going on. So there's some social consequences to these stories kind of being put out there. Another thing I'm look, I've been looking at, kind of, we don't trust the government anymore. We're looking for social media for our news. There's a big gap in generations. I'm a Gen Xer. Um, you're what millennial? I, don't, I screw up the the generations all the time, but I think I'm a millennial. The generation of my kids. No, I'm right definitely now, a millennial. But people don't believe that. But I am a millennial. So what you're seeing now with a lot of these kids? I don't think kids, I am because I mean there's some pretty negative connotations about millennials. Eh, it's not a bad thing. Eh, but the thing is, is a lot it? of it's I think it might be. the way we grew up. I'm kind of the last generation where we didn't grow up with a digital footprint. Basically, we didn't look to digital sources for things. News was disseminated in a more. You were more, still stamping like when you'd write a letter, you would still stamp wax on the outside of it like a hot stamp that's when you grow up right you realize what i bought in italy <laughs> i literally bought a wax stamp set to seal my envelopes with i have it in my desk in the office. i didn't even know that but you know you what that. i will not take offense to your statement well, i don't think you should take offense because you don't put your potato salad in your gumbo yeah, so. <laughs> up the bar you fancy people from thibodeau but anyway my generation gen x we were inherently skeptical people we didn't believe anybody. We were the latchkey generation. We were fed to the world very early on to figure things out. So we don't trust anybody. Now, what you have now, this newer generation coming out, they're in this digital age. They've grew up with a um, iPhone, with social media and things of that nature. They look to these types of devices and these types of things. This is their news dissemination. This is where they get it from. And I think you're seeing that transition now in our society where – these uh, social media influencers are having a lot more impact on even what people believe as the news. The problem with that is, like, for instance, in the Maui situation, there was a, a picture that circulated around social media of what they said was a laser beaming coming from space. That was proof of what had happened in this explosion. Are you the, serious with this right now? Yes. This went around. I mean, this was big. People were reposting oh, this thing. It went viral. Come to find out, the photograph actually was a photograph of, and I forgot where, where it was, um, it was a generator that had exploded, and it was an arc. The, 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 the light beam was going up, not coming down. Mm. But this took off, and the person who kind of posted that stuff and it went viral made a ton of money from doing that. So there's a mm. huge financial incentive now for these people to create these fake news stories, piggyback them on actual events, and it's becoming very financially lucrative for them to do this. And we have this generation now of people who are coming up that they're not very skeptical. You know, we took skepticism 101 when I was in school. We disbelieved everybody. Now they don't really question these things as much. And that's where it kind of was going with this story is people really, really need to learn to be a lot more questioning of these things they're seeing on social media and to basically think before you share. Because it may seem funny and interesting, but when you repost these things, somebody's making money off of this stuff. It's financial gain, and unfortunately with you know AI technology and deep fakes, I think we're on a slippery slope here on where a lot of this stuff is going. Um, you spend a little bit of time on social media, you see these things going around, but are you concerned with that and how, you know, if we're not trusting our news outlets and our government and we're having more and more trust in these social media platforms – how do we fix this as a society? You know, where do we pull this back in? How does it get policed? Is it going to be someday that, you know, misinformation becomes misrepresentation? Maybe we have lawsuits and there's court actions where people actually cause damage. How is this going to be policed? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we can't police it. <clears throat> I use the word, you know, generally. 
Because then we're getting into constitutional issues. Correct. Right? And where it's free speech and free and where I mean and we're looking. Stuff. I'm looking at stuff going on in London right now. Sorry, Patty. Um, but it's scary from the standpoint of how much their society is cracking down on speech, and so we need more speech, as much speech as possible. I'm a big believer in that. Besides hate speech and, and speech which crosses the line and, and incites violence, the more speech the better, even the stupid speech. But um, I, I take your point. I mean, it's a good one, right? I think it starts with humility. Like, we have to all understand that we do not – Like I don't. I used to be in this place where I'd be like, man, there's so many stupid people in the world, and there are a lot of stupid people in the world. But – I don't want us to come from a place of like condescension and being like there's so many stupid people in the world. There's just really a lot of ill-informed people in the world. Yes. And there's a difference there. It's like they have intellectual capabilities, but they have the wrong information, and they have not taken the time or the humility to inform themselves. I'll give you a case in point. I mean, look at all the stuff going on right now between so we're a month out from those horrific attacks in Israel by um, Hamas, a terrorist organization who killed terrible things that happen, right? Um, and not really going down that rabbit hole. There's so much misinformation on both sides about what is actually going on and what actually happened. And I've watched like a couple of um, a couple of videos just of some protests um, in America about that current conflict and you know tragedy of innocent people dying. Um, and it's like when you it's like watching that old Jay Leno show um, segment where you'd like. They'd ask people on the street different things, and they just say things that are like just factually nonsense. crazy and nonsense. Yeah. And they're just so ill-informed. So it starts like from a humility standpoint. Like maybe you should defer in getting your information on a topic like that, or perspectives on something like that, whether it be on Twitter, Instagram, or somewhere else, from people who maybe have like served in the military in the Middle East, or people who are experts in that topic, or at least not that you have to agree with them, but like you get some information from them. Because they are experts in this particular region and this particular conflict and issues going on here. And we just don't see enough humility from people like sticking to the things they know and listening and trying to question and understand the things they don't. Everybody just wants to know everything. They think they know everything. And, and, and people are just too trusting of oh, what they yeah. hear online. 100%. They, they're, 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 they need to be critical of these things. And that's kind of the point I was trying to make is, and I think it's a problem for our younger generation, they just take things at face value. Um, like I said, my generation, we're skeptics to the core, but I think we've lost a little bit of that, and that's why social media does so well, and that's why, you know, I'm seeing where there is there's potential for a lot of public harm for this stuff. And, you know, what point, how do we do that? Do, is the source of teaching people better, um, you know, listening skills and questioning skills? How do we make that happen? How do we fix this problem? But, um, you know, I'm seeing more and more, and I think you're going to see a rise. definitely part of it, right? Yeah. Like more listening and and. and introspection and challenging things but like i have found like i know one like i'm thinking of them right now there are some good news aggregators on social media who are just news and like if you if you and it's called ride the news is one i'm thinking of it's like no partisanship whatsoever they just deliver news mm -hmm. like news on social media only um i think they may have expanded now but like I think there is a, 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 a people have a desire for that like actual accuracy and like you can get you can go and find accounts like that who have a track record of delivering actual news and yeah. not being like misinformation sources of stuff that's just crazy town. Like Dr. Evil's got sharks with lasers beaming from their yeah. heads to blow up Maui. I mean, come on. But I think what people have to realize, too, is all these apps we have on our phones and all these programs, if they're free to use, then the product is you. Um, they're using you. They're commercializing your information and stuff like that. So you got to take a lot of this stuff with a grain of salt as far as what you're hearing and 
be more critical. Um, don't share and repost these things if it's not truthful or if you don't vet it a little bit, because that's what gives rise and gives financial incentive to these people to do this stuff. And they're taking you know important news stories. Like, like go back to the Maui example, but they, I saw an article. They said that a lot of the donations and aid that people would normally have given, a lot of it was deflected by these theories because people were talking more about these conspiracy theories of what happened and why it was going on as opposed to the need of the people type thing. So it's, it's having a, a financial impact and a, a public harm impact in certain instances. We have to find a way to kind of rein these things in at the end of the day, and I think it's more responsible use of social media and really getting that message out there that people need to be very, very careful what they hear online, especially in these social media apps because – there's no there's, there's no regulations in place. People can spout off anything they want. The transfer of information is so fast these days. Basically, any person with a cell phone in their pocket becomes an instant reporter and can post opinions without vetting anything. You really got to take it for what it is when you hear these things. Yeah, and I, f- I find that a lot more people watch. Um, and I see this like um, in the last couple of times we've done voir dires in jury trials, and maybe it's just that the jurors don't want to say what national news they watch. But more and more people are following like local news because they trust it more and they feel like there's more accuracy to it from the standpoint of like what they're telling them being true. But we've really gotten this bad thing that's developed over the last 215 years. And I think social media has led to it from my perspective, which is like we get in these silos, whether, you know, the show isn't about politics, but like in political issues, especially, but even in many other things, it's like we just get in these silos of like we listen to what we want to hear and what validates what we think and what we believe. And that's like such a boring existence of life like come on like go challenge yourself like go listen to somebody who maybe you don't disagree with on a particular current event issue or an issue of history society things of that nature and you know what you may leave and you'd be like i still don't believe in that and i don't agree with them and you know screw them and that's fine you have that right in this country but like challenge yourself a little bit and go listen to different perspectives because that's kind of like how you get to the right place like nobody has all of the right news like uh, right you have to aggregate it from different sources and be critical of every source that gives it to you because they all want something right well it's just like the practice of law when we go into court there's two sides yep. and both sides think they're absolutely correct and you know there's facts and there's spin on it and you know the exercise you're talking about is listen to other maybe you know news sources that don't agree with you that's important because, I mean, it is amazing if you put on Fox News and then CNN, you can listen to the same report. You can listen to reporting on the same exact event, and you could swear you listen to two completely different events that occurred. Because what's happened is more and more of our news has become opinions. It's not the facts anymore. It's opinions. So by listening to both sides of the story, sometimes you can disseminate what the actual facts are as opposed to the opinion they're feeding you. I remember when I was a child, um, you know, WWL and the local news stations used to have a guy named Bill Elder. And he used to come on towards the end of the newscast, and there was a huge warning that came on that the, what you're about to hear is editorial content. Mm. And it's not the, the views of the station and everything else. And then Bill Elder would come on and give opinions about the news. Then he was finished. They would have another disclaimer. So the news was separated from the opinion content. In today's world, it, it's one of the same. Mostly what we hear is opinion and spin. The real facts get buried in that. And people just kind of I think there's a bias towards wanting to hear things that agree with what your position is. And that, that's a slippery slope, I think. If people don't start getting more aware of that, I think we become more and more polarized as a society. Well, thanks for once again depressing me, Brad. You're getting really good at My this. My pleasure. Um, really exciting <laughs> that you depress me, that no one has confidence in anything. And so now we're going to <laughs> And I don't, you know, tonight I guess I'm going to have to pour a bourbon um, and think about this skillet. 
because I'm really struggling still to this I day to figure out. I think we need to out. test this. I mean, this guy took meat, slammed it, smeared it all, raw meat, slammed it all over his chest, and then yanked the handle off a skillet. I think we go to Cracker Barrel, buy a couple of cast iron skillets, and we go do some testing. No, because then it makes me feel like it's a waste of a skillet. I mean, you, you cook down a skillet, and you do a lot of good dishes in a skillet, and you really get a bunch of oil cleans with it. Like, that's a really you good gotta thing. you got to season it. Well, oh, you got to season it. That's I'm a really not talking good. about using a, a seasoned skillet, just brand new skillets. A brand new skillet. I don't want to waste a good skillet. I'm gonna, we're going to kill ourselves if we try to do that, so I don't think I'm going to break a skillet. But I am trying to figure out in my head how Kyle's looking at me. Like, he has a few ideas after we're done on how the skillet handle can I think Kyle could do it. If you're watching this show on YouTube and you have an idea about how the skillet handle was tell us in the cracked comments. off, please tell us in the comments. Well, um, exciting topics, exciting discussion. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, thank you all for listening again. This has been the Overruled Podcast brought to you by the Scott Vignair Law Firm on behalf of myself and my co-host and law partner, Brad Scott. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a follower. Uh, download and invite somebody along. Talk to you next time. Y'all take care. Scott McNair, injury attorneys, we fight for the win. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.